everyone, and welcome to the Break Room podcast, our student-run podcast put on by the Bruin Review at UCLA. And today I am joined by our co-host Abhijit, and our special guests will be Anjali and Victoria, the founders of IIG, which stands for the Impact Investing Group, and it is UCLA's first ever Impact Investing Club. And I actually just joined IIG this fall as an analyst, and my co-host is actually on the board. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, about that, and then we can kind of get on with introducing our guests. Yeah, um, I'm Abhijit. Um, I'm one of the VPs of education as part of uh, IIG. And yeah, it's, it's been a really fun time working with everyone and looking forward to discussing the inspiration behind the project. So let's move on to our guest then. Um, who should we start with? Do you want, Anjali, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. You want me to introduce myself then? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Anjali Nagaraja. I'm a fourth year economics major at UCLA. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, and I'm uh, out here at UCLA just being a part of this amazing community and spirit and culture. And I'm one of the presidents and co-founders, um, along with uh, my great friend, Victoria. And we both started this amazing organization, Impact Investing Group, together. Mm-hmm. And like Anjali mentioned, my name is Victoria. I am currently a third year econ and communications double major as well as entrepreneurship minor. Um, I'm originally from LA County. That's where I'm right. That's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm home with my parents, but um, good thing everything's virtual so we can still get everything done. But yeah, I met Anjali through 180 Degrees Consulting, which is a social impact consulting club. And that's kind of what inspired us to go on and start um, Impact Investing Group over quarantine. That's awesome. So to kind of go into that a little bit more, can you explain a little bit about what UCLA IIG is about and kind of how did you get the idea for it and how did it come together? Because I know you started it this past summer during COVID. So what was that like? Yeah, so like I mentioned, um, we really kept in touch during quarantine. Like we had a lot of late night FaceTime conversations just about like life and like what we wanted to do. And we were both really interested in social impact as well as investing um, because I had done um, like, I was working in finance and investing over the summer and Anjali was working in uh, venture capital. So it was kind of like just us discussing our interests and we realized that there really is no social impact plus finance or investing club on campus. Um, And we really wanted to fill that gap. And we also had a lot of free time over quarantine. So we got to talking and we decided that we wanted to build a club that would essentially um, you know, help social enterprises and impact-based businesses um, receive the capital that they needed to make change in the world. Because, um, you know, I feel like money is what really helps, uh, like, drive change in the world. Um, So that's kind of where the original concept came about. And to give, like, I guess, a more brief overview of IIG, there's really, like, I guess, two main objectives. So one would be, like, the funding and the capital side where we're trying to help social enterprises and um, like social enterprises um, receive the capital that they need. And then the other side of it is just like education about um, in education about um, impact investing and like spreading that on campus. So um, like 
Avigi, VP of Education. He's working a lot with like helping our current analysts um, receive that like basic fundamental education. But then we're also looking to release a newsletter soon to like also educate like the greater campus community. So yeah, you can add to that too, Anjali. Yeah, um, exactly like Victoria said, it was kind of uh, bringing together uh, venture capital and social impact. I think we have a lot of social impact um, based consulting work that UCLA students do. um, And we quickly realized that there's not really something on the investment side of things. And I think investment is such an important concept, right? When you have money, putting that to good use is so important. Consulting is one thing that's just providing advice, but then investing, you know, that money that you invest, it makes a huge difference. And so we really said, that's exactly what we want to do at UCLA. We want to bring this concept to students and educate them on how, you know, years from now, when you're really rich, what can you do with that money that's giving back to society, right? Um, But, you know, in terms of the process, exactly like how Victoria said, it was also very much a um, a personal um, passion project. Both of us have always wanted to start things. We're self-starters. We're hustlers. We love to uh, bring up new ideas and and think about things in terms of an entrepreneurial um, thought process. And, And so it was really just that that sparked, you know, okay, let's just start an organization on campus. Um, It's it's a pandemic and I'm sure everyone's looking for something fun to do. So that's really how it all came about. Um, that's our story. Yeah. It's really cool how you guys just decided to like launch your interests and begin something new. Um, but in general, like, could you talk a bit about the progression of the club and like how you actually got it started, especially with things being virtual with COVID and all, I imagine that was really challenging. Yeah. So in terms of COVID, um, I would say, if anything, it made the whole process more streamlined. Uh, everyone had just a lot more time to hop on calls uh, more often uh, and and discuss, you know, everything that went into the club. For example, just Victoria and I starting out, we would talk every single day over quarantine. So every day we added one more element to the club. Every day we, you know, for example, something as simple as, hey, does this preliminary website look good? Or does this preliminary Gmail look good to you? And then coming up with banners and, and slowly just brainstorming, how do you get an initial startup out there? What goes into it? And so, it was kind of us bringing different skill sets. Um, Victoria is really good with marketing. Um, she's really good with, you know, really selling a product out there. And so she was bringing those ideas from there. I was doing things like getting on calls with um, clubs around the country or, or student run organizations around the country, getting on calls with people from UCLA Anderson and learning more on, about how do we actually even get this set up? What are all the elements that go into it? And so we were doing different things, but we were doing them at the same time. I don't think COVID really affected anything. If anything, it really gave us a little bit more of a spark to get this up and running um, because there was no in-person uh, element or criteria to it. So there wasn't that added, oh, we have to get up and get ready and go meet this person. It was just hop on a Zoom call, get the work done. And so it was very streamlined. 
um, in that sense. And the progression, I would say, was quite rapid. Um, Victor and I talk about this all the time. We like to consider Impact Investing Group a startup. So it scaled so rapidly. Um, and I think that was really the goal. And Victoria, you want to jump in and talk more about that? That would be great. Yeah, I think like once we recruited our board in August, that's when things really took off. Because in the beginning, it was just the two of us, late night FaceTime calls, like talking out ideas and stuff. But when we like recruited actual people into these positions and was able to kind of like, um, um, like assign some of the work out and like not have two people try to like start an entire org, um, that really made everything much faster. And I really think we lucked out with the people on our board because everyone's just so amazing, so passionate, so great at what they do. And like, I think as soon as we got those initial nine people on, um, we were able to really grow really quickly. And um, afterward, when the quarter started, we worked on our first recruitment process because we wanted to like obviously open the club up to other people at UCLA and we recruited our first class of analysts and now we're like a 25 person strong club so um hopefully we're going to continue to grow um but like at this point we're still you know trying to lay down the groundwork of like what it means to be an analyst at IIG and like what that you know, what that progression looks like throughout the year, because there really is no model for us to follow. We can't just like do what we did last year, you know, so the entire board right now is kind of working to, um, you know, make it so that like the analyst experience is worthwhile. And also that like, there's also like longevity and like value in staying in the club. Yeah, no, I'll be honest, when I joined, I thought this club had been here for a while. It did not seem like you guys had just started it. So yeah, good job. Good to hear. <laughs> Why impact investing specifically? You kind of mentioned how it's a growing field and how um, you know UCLA didn't have anything like this specifically in investing. Just like a brief, not to get like I guess too detailed or technical about like what impact investing is. Um, so it's like investing in companies that create social impact. Um, a lot of people call it like personal values investing or like investing in companies that. Um, like carry on the values that you believe in. So I thought this was really interesting. And I first heard of this concept when I was doing a program called Girls Who Invest this summer. Um, I It was like a 10-week program designed to get more women into the asset management industry. And throughout like the four-week education portion of it, they always had like guest speakers and stuff come in. And I remember one of my favorite panel events was like an impact investing panel. And they had like speakers come in who like worked in the impact space at like huge funds. And then also some speakers who worked like specifically in like an impact investing fund. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because I've always been the type of person who like wanted to find some sort of connection between business and social impact. And that's why like all the organizations I've joined in college so far have like mostly been centered around impact and business um, because I just think it's really fascinating when you can find a tie there. So I think that's where like that's where my interests lay. And that's why like when I first found out about impact investing, I really wanted to learn more about it. Um, and then I think Anjali actually like had this idea or something similar to this, like ever since like two years ago, um, she actually, like we were planning to like start something, I think two years ago, but um, I, I think we ended up not doing it. So like what Anjali was saying earlier about like the way quarantine kind of like gave us more time. Like I genuinely believe that like 
if quarantine never happened, I think we would, we would both have had like way too many distractions and like other stuff going on to like really like sit down and like start this up. So honestly, in many ways, like IIG started because of quarantine. Yeah, um, just to add kind of my personal motivation, uh, really, it comes from I've always been the kind of person who has wanted to give back to society in whatever it is that I do and whatever it is uh, that I'm passionate about. So, you know, whether it's consulting, whether it's private equity, whether it's investing, you know, there should always be an element of social impact. There should always be an element of giving back to society. Um, I think that is really the biggest um, motivator to generating wealth for yourself. If you're not giving something back while you're generating wealth, you're not really paying it forward to anyone who has, you know, helped you get to where you are. And so that's kind of always been my, uh, my life mantra, if I may say so. Um, but personal motivations wise, um, this past summer, I had the opportunity of um, interning at Halogen Ventures, which is a um, women-led venture capital company that invests in women-led startups. Um, and so there I had the opportunity to say sit in on demo days by uh, companies like Gooder Co., which is a company that works with surplus food. It repackages them and re repackages the food and, and kind of gives it to the local community. It reduces your carbon footprint. So they're doing a lot of different things. Um, and, and to me, that stood out, the fact that you had a company that actually worked towards improving the society that we live in and doing something good. And I, I thought to myself, hey, if I'm investing, I want to invest in that kind of company specifically, a social impact company, a company that's helping people. And at the same time, you're making solid returns, right? If Gooder Co. goes on the stock market, if they go IPO, they would scale really rapidly and you can make some great returns. And, and that was kind of really the motivation with which we said, you know, if we want to do investing, we want to do impact investing because we want to create a difference. And I think that's just kind of um, the way Victoria and I have always thought um, social impact has always been something that's meant a lot to both of us personally, right from the day we became friends. And so that's something that we want to do. And, and given that, you know, at UCLA, there are a lot of investment-based clubs, but they all focus specifically on private companies, tech companies, um, you know, and, and those are all great, but um, those don't create an impact. And so we want to stand out and we want to really show the students here at UCLA that you can make money, you can make a lot of money, and you can also create a really good social impact. And I think that's where it all comes from. The reason I was so excited when I joined was because I think you talked a bit about this, like the divergence of doing good versus getting more involved in business. And yeah, that, I think that's a really key point in attracting people to the space. Yeah, it's the double bottom line. And like also um, just being able to do social good while also it's like best of both worlds, you know, like that's how I like to think about it. You can not only make money and, you know, make those financial returns but you can also make good social impact yeah like my first my last year um i really focused on a lot of advocacy clubs and that's why i was just so excited to find iig because it combined um like my interest in investing with all this advocacy work that I was that i was also passionate about so that's something i noticed though that other clubs other investing clubs on campus focus more on or focused, I guess, solely on financial returns. And so 
impact investing does not do that. And that's why I'm, uh, I was wondering, like, what do you think the current state of impact investing is um, since it's kind of new, right? So how is it kind of like, what is in terms of, I guess I'm saying exposure and in terms of popularity right now and how, I guess, how efficient it is? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's growing and it's going to continue to grow because um, I think now like the whole concept of like the um, the socially conscious consumer is like definitely growing and I think a lot of people like millennials and like Gen Z's especially are like you know very conscious about the brands that they support and like the companies that they um, want to make a contribution to so I think especially like given all of like the social issues that have arisen over the past couple of months, um, like the Black Lives Matter movement, among other things, like there's, you know, there's so many things that happened in 2020 that like require significant like thought. And also like, I think even as like a consumer, like for me, I like, I've like been more encouraged to like really look into companies before I like support and Um, I think that type of mindset is only going to continue to grow, um, especially since, you know, the, like, there's obviously more young people entering the workforce, making disposable income. So I think it's just a field that's going to keep increasing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another aspect of, you know, kind of having people jump on the impact investing bandwagon is, you know, people really understanding the fact that you can make similar returns as as the market with impact investments. Um, there are reports written by SOPACT and GIIN, which is the Global Impact Investment Network, um, that essentially prove exactly the fact that, you know, you can make a good 9-10% uh, return. And typically, those are the returns that um, impact investments have made in the past. And so uh, it's just getting people to recognize that you can still make solid returns, um, even though, you know, it's social impact based, right. And once there's more data, to prove that point, I think people will be more inclined to actually invest. But apart from that, definitely exactly what Victoria said is people recognizing the importance of being socially aware whenever you're being a consumer, being a producer, being an investor. It's so important because every dollar that you put towards something good is a dollar that goes in the hands of someone who can really benefit from that or can really make good use of it. And the same works the opposite way, right? You put it in the bad direction and and it, it turns into something really ugly. And so it's just people recognizing the importance of, you know, the situation we're in and how the world is changing and how different, different uh, social needs are becoming more and more important that we need to address immediately. Yeah, definitely. Um... Victoria, you briefly mentioned the idea of how personal value investing is synonymous with impact investing. So just going off of that, um, what do you guys think um, you're most passionate about as a vertical within investing? Because um, it kind of represents your vision from an individualistic perspective of how you'd like to change the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, like the number one thing that comes up for me would be like education and environment. So Um, summer before freshman year, I actually took a trip to Cambodia and I was able to really witness 
poverty for the first time. Like before that, all I had done was like, you know, seen news articles, seen like clips on TV, things like that. But it's like very different when you're like actually seeing an impoverished person, like, um, like with your own eyes, like in person, because you just realize like how real it is and just how privileged you are. Like, I feel like it's so easy, especially like as a college student in the UCLA bubble, we're like so stressed about midterms and finals all the time. And like, you forget that like, you're so privileged in the fact that you can even be at UCLA and be receiving a college education. And I think like that whole trip to Cambodia, like really grounded me and just opened my eyes to like what other people in the world is facing and just like how many problems there are out in their world out in the world and I remember on that trip I was so frustrated that like I couldn't do anything to like at that moment to like help those people so like I really wanted to like make my college education um or like focus my college education on finding ways that like I can eventually make an impact so I am and the reason why I like said education in the beginning um was because I think that ties into like poverty and that ties into like so many other socioeconomic factors too because um obviously like with education you're able to like kind of um pull yourself out of like situations and also like advance yourself in life so I think that's something that's like such a privilege and like something that I really want like everyone to be I think everyone should be able to experience so that's definitely something that um is important to me and then also for environment um like I just really love national parks and being outdoors and I think that like um there's just like over the years especially with like you know new government and like all that stuff there's just been like a concerning like lack of a concerning lack of concern for like the environment and like just like things that could there's so many things that could be done there too especially in regards to like national park preservation and things like that um so yeah those would be the two biggest ones for me yeah um so i think one really massive one for me is um the fintech space and specifically when that within that um it's personal finance um i was actually a part of this amazing organization at ucla called money think where we had the opportunity to go to high schools within the area and talk to students about you know how to build wealth and how to stay afloat in terms of personal finance and i think when I think about low-income communities, I think it's just the lack of opportunity and lack of education uh, regarding finance, so financial literacy, right? And that is a big barrier in terms of opportunity to actually gain wealth. Um, and I think it's unfair almost. It's it's You're building an exclusive community of people who are investing, say, even in the stock market and building wealth, right, from a young age. Um, and I think, you know, everybody deserves the opportunity to at least know what their options are in terms of pa building passive income, in terms of saving on um, um, int uh, credit, credit card and interest rates, or, um, you know, creating a budget that helps you um, pay your loans better or, or, pay for your kids education in the future and there's so many elements within personal finance that a lot of us don't know about and specifically individuals in the low-income community and I think having the combination of finance and tech that is 
um, affordable, that is efficient, that's feasible for everyone in the world, in society to have access to and learn from, I think that's the best way to go about doing it. And I think it also reduces the barriers, especially, you know, with banks that don't provide loans to people of low income communities, just because they're from a low income community, right? And so little things like that, little barriers that they face, um, little uh, lack of opportunities that they live with right and and so i think from a finance perspective um i think just giving them that opportunity to be the billionaire or the trillionaire that they want to be i think it's it's something that means a lot to me especially having lived in india for almost 13 years i lived um amongst people who were from all different walks of life all different financial backgrounds and to just see that you know there is there is scope for us to actually build out information that will help them rise up to the level that I'm at and the opportunity and the fortune that I'm at. Um, I think it's something that, you know, would be really nice to see. And I think that's one of the biggest ones. And, you know, I couldn't have said it better than Victoria did, but environment, you know, the environment is taking a severe beating in terms of our lack of concern, as she said. Um, and, we really need to turn the ship around immediately if we want to continue to live in this world and to enjoy this beauty that we see around us. Um, so we need to start investing now because everything requires money. And as I said before, if you can use your money, use it in a way that helps everyone and that makes a difference. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because um, I feel like you guys touched on two aspects of what we had planned to discuss, which was um, there's there's one scenario where there's a lack of concern, there's a lack of attention, but there's another where you see progress and both are motivating in their own ways. So touching on that, could you guys discuss um, a specific company or like some technology that you're excited about um, in those industries or spaces that you think would actually uh, lead to change or stimulate that sector? Yeah, um, so... One of my favorites, and I think this is a very um, popular company in the environmental space, I can actually talk about too. Um, so in the environmental space specifically, one is Patagonia. Patagonia um, is a great company because they use a lot of recycled fabric. So recycled cotton, recycled nylon, um, recycled wool. And so essentially what that does, it reduces your carbon footprint. It reduces your water usage. You're not wasting um, fabric that just sits in landfill and takes forever to, you know, de degrade. Um, so um, it's, it's just simple things like that. Using technology and knowledge of what you can do to make your company more environmentally aware and that's that's one of my favorite companies from the environmental perspective because they do they have funds they have this amazing fund called tin shed ventures um and they invest in environmental um needs right and so they're doing an awesome job and they're also making sure that all their material is is uh, clean and it's not um you know, harming the environment and they and they make an active effort with whatever products that they produce to not release too many chemicals out into the ocean or into the air. And so just being a company whose primary mission is um, taking care of the environment, I think that's a solid company. Another one um, that I learned about at my time um, 
during my time at Halogen Ventures was zero. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a service where they act as a middleman in terms of packaging for uh, various CPG companies. So CPG is consumer product goods. Um, and so, for example, you have Kroger and Kroger produces milk, right? And when they produce milk, they put it all in plastic cans. And what Zero does is it takes that raw milk that Kroger produces and it packages it into glass bottles. And so it's a subscription-based company. It's a really cool idea. And so they're switching from completely plastic packaging to completely glass packaging. And glass is know is a lot more clean for the environment and so this is again another very small company a great idea um, that's trying to rapidly scale and I think it just shows you that there are ideas out there that just need to see the light but there's so much progress that could happen um, but that's just my take on it Victoria do you have any companies that you you know that are, are doing some awesome things yeah um, so I was like thinking about like what companies I kind of wanted to talk about. And I think for me, the ones I know the best are probably the ones I've like worked with or worked for in some capacity. So during my freshman year, I actually interned at an environmental impact startup called Parks Project. And that was really the company that opened my eyes to social enterprise and like the potential for, you know, a double bottom line. Um, so Basically, what they do is that they create national parks apparel. So they're more of like a retail, online retail company type of thing. Um, and they create like all different types of products for like all different types of national parks. And basically, as the customer, you can go in and choose whatever product you want. And then that specific product. So for example, if you buy like a Joshua Tree tank top or something, then like a portion of those proceeds will go towards a parks parks project sponsored project in joshua tree national park and what i thought was so amazing about that company is that when you go on the parks project website and you click on their impact section you can see exactly how much money they've donated and like exactly what impact that money has made so like um how many um, how many acres have been restored like things like that like down to the details and i just think like that transparency and that like um just that genuine want for like helping national parks is what like really inspired me um, about the founders. And it's definitely a company that like I'm still actively following now just because they're they're like they've been growing and they're still doing so much great work in national parks. Like not only do they like, you know, do their whole like give back component, but they also host like regular volunteer days and things like that where they're just getting like members of the community to like go and help and like, you know really like take that time and dedicate it to environmental restoration so I just think that like with more companies like that like they might not be like you know the biggest company or anything like that but they are making an impact and I think like that's what really matters so I think for me um that would be like one company that I'll always admire yeah those are amazing ideas I did not know about any of them so thank you uh now I kind of want to get into a little bit of the criti like criticisms that impact investing receives that I've seen over the past um, like past few months that I've known about impact investing. And those are, um, Anjali kind of mentioned Patagonia. So Patagonia and other clothing companies, one that comes to my mind is Reformation. Um, the It's like a great... Uh, thing that they're doing is that they're sustainable and everything but the one big criticism is that they're extremely expensive and 
most students, most people can't afford them. So what do you think, um, what do you think that students can do to uh, support sustainable companies if they can't afford them or people in general, what can they do? And I think it just, it doesn't go just for um, clothing companies, but in general, a lot of companies that are impactful and sustainable have products that are very expensive. So how do we deal with that? Um, that's a great question, Jay. And so one thing, you know, I would look at as a student is you have to question the company's business model. When they price something well above uh, what is uh, what a consumer, like a student, can afford, or when they price something well above how much it costs them to produce it, the question is, okay, there's this huge profit margin. Where is that profit margin going? Is is the are is the company using it towards paying their employees? The, is it going towards people who actually produce the clothing, or is it going into the pockets of the CEOs and the founders of the business? And so, those are questions you need to ask. And this is information that is easily available on the internet. You have to do your research. You have to do your homework. You have to ask around. Um, and I think that's what's amazing about our generation is we're so intrigued by these concepts that we we ask the questions and we are always wanting to know what is happening around us, right? And what the truth is of a company and their business model. And so you have to ask these questions. And so long as as that additional profit, or that huge profit, I guess, that they're making is going towards something that um, is is positive and that, you know, they're paying their employees well and whatnot, then it's, it's okay. And you have to, you have to know that, well, okay, if I am paying a lot for something expensive, at least it's going towards someone who can benefit off of it. And it's not going towards the CEO's pockets. But if it's not that, then, you know, you, you, you have to make that decision of whether is this something that's worth it. But at the same time, you have to realize that products that are incredibly cheap, um, say on Amazon or Shein is another clothing company whose products are incredibly cheap. That's also a problem, right? And so I think when you translate that to something like, you know, how, how do you, um, what does impact investing really lead to great financial returns? And, and are you really creating an impact? The question is, uh, who are you investing in, right? Are you investing in a company that is categorized as ESG by some metric just because they focus. So for example, Tesla, right? I mean, it's a great company. They are an ESG company because they are actively working to reduce carbon footprints in the environment because all their, their, their cars and products and whatnot are all um, battery based. Um, but, but at the same time, you also have to think about, is it an indirect or direct social impact? And I think, that's how I see the connection between, you know, what you were saying in terms of reformation, like, oh, students uh, actively making an effort of, you know, paying more and, and actually seeing that social impact happening with that higher price versus, you know, not and, and making an effort to call the company out for it. And also the same even with your, fine, with your 
social impact investments? Like, are you investing in a company that is actually creating a social impact or are you investing in a company that's under the disguise of being social impact based? So research, like people, students should research more mm-hmm. on where their money is going. Okay. Yeah. Another major critique for impact investing in general is that um, it would likely lead to lower financial returns in order to support impact. But simultaneously, it's also very hard to track what true impact is, right? Because um, it's almost abstract. And uh, even the procedure for using metrics is kind of tough and expensive. So how would you counter that like cynicism towards the space? Like, What are the changes that are occurring? Or what do you think justifies um, interest in the impact investing space Mm -hmm. i feel like that's like a really hard question to answer just because like the concept of impact and like what impact means to each person is just so subjective so like what i think is worth it might not be worth it to someone else but i guess like personally for me i feel like um if i was in the position where i have a large amount of capital to deploy and like I want to, and I have, like, these options of companies that I can, like, essentially choose from, Um, like, because I, like, am a um, social impact conscious investor, and, like, I do want that to, like, be a part of my investment portfolio decision, then, like, I will obviously weigh impact, and, and, like, at times, like, even when I know that, like, one company might not do as well as the other, but they have, like, a greater social impact, like, if I have that capacity, then I definitely would want to support that company because, um, like, it just really depends on, like, your appetite as an investor, right? So I feel like it's going to, it's, like, very difficult to kind of, like, justify this or, like, kind of try to, like, convince someone to, like, you know, do what they subjectively don't believe is, like, worth it. Um, But I think that's, like, one of the reasons why we're really trying to, like, start an impact investing group and like spread this idea of impact investing on campus because I really do think that like not a lot of students kind of know about this concept or know that like you know there is such thing as a double bottom line and there this is an option so I think like so many times like with investing like obviously you think about returns right like that's like that's basically the first thing you think of when you're like putting your money somewhere but then returns can be categorized as like both financial returns and also like impactful returns. So I think it really depends on like the individual investor and like hopefully through more initiatives like IIG and like other things around college campuses and other places, like hopefully more people see that as a value. I think that's really interesting because you mentioned appetite and I think that's a really good analogy because you have this idea of risk appetite whenever you're approaching investments. But simultaneously, mm-hmm. you should have an appetite for good as well. Mm-hmm. And I think while that sounds like a moral proclamation, it's more just, um, I think the subjectivity that you're talking about should be incorporated and considered like a standard idea. And that risk appetite is just well ingrained, whereas the appetite for good will hopefully become well ingrained in the future. I think mm-hmm. that's a really interesting mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. I think that was the main thing I was kind of confused about when coming in is that how do you measure sustainability? How do you measure impact? Um, because like I did a little bit of research, but everybody was kind of using a different metric. And that's what confused me is like, how do we find this um, one overarching metric that um, everybody in the US or maybe even everybody in the world could use? Like, it's very hard to do that. 
Yeah. And obviously like every company has their own KPIs or key performance indicators and stuff for impact and things like that. But like as an investor, as a consumer, it's ultimately your own decision, like which, which of those KPIs you think are the most valuable. Yeah. And I guess um, we are at the end of this hour, but, or the 30 minutes, but Using all of this information, where do you see IIG moving forward? Because I know you guys are seniors, so you're going to be leaving next year, which is really sad. But how are you like, what do you think uh, is going to happen to IIG in the coming years? Yeah, actually, I'm just a junior, but um, yeah, I'll be around next year, hopefully. Um, But yeah, I really want IIG to like continue growing and scaling Um, now that like this would be like kind of like a base year for us. um, I feel like it can only get better from here. You know, we're going to like take everything, take from everything that we did this year. Um, Should I wait until the... (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I really want to be able to like take from everything that we did this year and then um, hopefully just learn from our mistakes, learn from what we did well and um, make the club grow even more next year. And like eventually, I think long term, we really want to be able to like start some sort of like fund. So like right now we're really looking into like being like the middleman for um, social enterprises and uh, investors. So we really want to be able to like be that connector or like a scouting model, as you would call it. But I think in the future, we really want to be able to deploy capital on our own. But we do understand that it's a really long process. um, And we both might not be around to see it. But yeah, that's definitely what's on our minds. Do you have any? Oh, you want to go? Yeah, go for it. No, um, basically, just what Victoria said, um, just trying to rapidly scale and, and come up with new ideas and 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 I think biggest thing at least for me is setting up a fund uh, whether that's through VC backing or um, but whether that's through you know crowdsource funding whatever way that me, may be setting up a fund where essentially we're able to do the whole VC process with social impact companies where we're so sourcing companies, we're conducting due diligence on them and then we're finally deploying capital. And so I want, uh, my vision is to reach a point where we're able to do all three of those steps. And then, you know, um, within the portfolio provide consulting services as needed. And finally, when we think the company is ready, maybe find an exit opportunity. But um, I think long-term that's, what I would like to see, the direction that UCLA takes, and of course, uh, second everything that Victoria said in terms of just growing and scaling, adding new members, and and just taking something amazing away from this experience. Yeah. And you have, I mean, you started this this year, so you experienced the whole process of starting clubs very recently. And do you think you have any pointers that you could give or advice you could give to um, students on campus that want to start their own clubs? Yeah. Um, Nike has a great saying, just do it. <laughs> I think that's the biggest motto you should follow. Uh, there's always going to be hesitations to starting something big. It's going to look scary. It's going to seem scary. It's going to seem unachievable. But when you put all of those things to the side and when you just – you know, hit the books or when you hit the grind and you, you get the work started and get it going, 
you'll start seeing quickly that it's not as bad as you think and it's not as daunting as you think. And another thing is, you know, do it with someone that you like or some do it do it with with a friend do it with someone that you enjoy working with and it makes that process a lot more streamlined victoria and i have always considered ourselves a dynamic duo we've always worked really well with each other um our personalities complement each other really well and i know for a fact if i did this on my own i wouldn't have been able to achieve um starting this club it would have just been so scary and and it would seem like it's way more work than it really ended up being. And so having uh, someone as amazing as Victoria by my side to constantly keep me motivated, I think personally that's what was the biggest factor in terms of getting this going. And apart from that, it's just putting all inhibitions to the side and saying, I'm going to get this done. Um, And really finally, I would also say, don't start a club just to start a club. Make sure that you know you're doing it for the right reasons and make sure you are incredibly passionate about it. If there's no passion, it's not going to happen. But Victoria, jump in. Yeah, I totally second everything that you said. And I think, you know, with any sort of organization, with any sort of team, the most important thing is the people, right? So I was very blessed to be, you know, to have such an amazing co-founder that like I was already really close friends with. And like, we also happen to work really well together too. Um, I honestly think that like, sometimes it's not enough to just be friends with someone. You also have to be able to work together really well and like have um, like a similar working style or also just personalities that like complement each other. Um, And that's definitely what Anjali and I have, which is why we were able to like get this up and running so quickly. And then also obviously our board members, like I mentioned before, they're all amazing, awesome. Like it's like it's really easy to communicate with them and to like push initiatives forward so I really think that like if you want to start your own organization at UCLA or ever in general you have to make sure you're surrounded by the right people and that like you have the right mindset yeah absolutely agree with that (laughs) um yeah do you Abhijit do you want to have do you want to end this off or yeah, no, I was just going to say it's pretty inspiring that like you guys just thought of it and got it going so quickly. And I, I think just do it is, yeah, that, that's a really good phrase to have in mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks for taking out the time today. Um, it was really nice to understand the inspiration as well as like how this all fits together in your in your mind as the founders. Um, and yeah, uh, Shay, what? Yeah, sure. So I want to plug the Instagram really quickly. It's at UCLAIIG. Please go follow. Woohoo. Yes. Um, yeah, thank you so much for speaking with us today. This is so fun and super informative. Thanks so much for yeah. having us. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Thanks for having us. Enjoy talking to y'all and uh, giving y'all a little bit more of a breakdown on what IIG is all about. So thank you for listening. I hope you all enjoyed it too. And we'll see you on the next one.